A. Christopher Bakken from the class of 1982. He's an executive vice president of nuclear operations and chief nuclear officer at Entergy Nuclear and is responsible for plants in five states. Chris has held leadership positions for both domestic and global companies, including American Electric Power, Public Service Enterprise Group, British Energy, and I'm going to give this a try. something. EDF. Okay, I had four years of French, and I'm going to butcher that, so we'll just go with EDF. Prior to his current, prior to his current role, he led the design, licensing, procurement, construction, and commissioning of the first nuclear new build project in the United Kingdom in 20 years for EDF Energy Nuclear New Build. As an electrical engineering major, he also holds a master's in industrial administration from Carnegie Mellon University and is a fellow in the Institute of Engineering and Technology. The Sigma Alpha Sigma brother lives in Madison, Mississippi and is married to Katherine Hoffman from the class of 82. They have two grown sons, Chris and Alex. Chris Bakken, you have brought honor to your alma mater. Well, good evening. I certainly never thought in all the times I sat in this chapel that I would ever have the privilege of speaking from this podium, let alone with such distinguished colleagues. I, I never thought that. Um, what I'd like to do is recognize two people who are not with us in body this evening, but who I'm very confident are here in spirit. So the first is my college roommate, Lou DeFabio. Lou passed away this spring in March at the young age of 60 unexpectedly. So tomorrow for the parade and for the game, you'll see me wearing Lou's jersey, number 64, in honor of Lou's life and in honor of Lou's faith. And then there's my father. My father was well aware that I was going to be the recipient of this distinguished award this evening. He was as proud as any father could be we hoped very much that he would be with us here this evening, but unfortunately he passed away a few weeks ago. I'm very confident he's here in spirit, and I personally can feel his presence. Just wish he had been able to be here. My parents taught my sisters and me a strong Christian value set. We had the opportunity to be very well educated, two of us at this very institution. Without that value set, and without that education, I am certain I would not be here speaking with you this evening. It was foundational. My father taught us the value of absolute integrity. No room for compromise. He also taught us to have a thirst for excellence. My sisters and I heard many, many times some very simple sayings that through their repetition over time defined who we are share a couple of them with you this evening. Son, you need to give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And I can hear many, many times, son, if the job is worth doing, it's worth doing right. From my mother, 
we learn the concept of caring for others, having empathy for others, and the concept of service to others. My mother, wonderful mother, Barbara, who's here with us this evening, has lived her entire life focused on service to other people. For that, Mom, I thank you and we thank you. And most importantly then, there's my wife, Katie. I met Katie when I was 13 years old. We grew up together. We both graduated from this wonderful institution in 1982 and were married in 1983. Katie, I am blessed to be married to the love of my life, my dearest and closest friend, and a strong supporter, that was unequivocal support for everything that we've accomplished together. Katie raised our sons, Chris and Alex, largely on her own. In the early days, it was because I was working shifts. Then it progressed to going to Carnegie Mellon for graduate school. Once I finished graduate school, at that point I kept taking on and we kept taking on ever increasing challenges. So work commitments kept me away from home a lot. We raised two wonderful sons who've turned into fine men and it's your doing, so thank you. So for those and other reasons, I wanted to take this moment to recognize my family, to thank them, and to be very clear that without them, I also would not be standing here. Having said that, I spent a good deal of time reflecting on what do you want to say this evening? You have an opportunity to share. What do you want to say? And quite candidly, I was very perplexed as to why I was selected. I asked Melissa many times why, who. Um, it troubled me. And I certainly believe there are other alumni, some of whom I could name standing here, who are far more deserving than I. Last month while I was on vacation, clarity came and peace came. And it came through me rereading again a letter that Pope Francis wrote to the Roman Curia before Christmas in 2014. It was written at a time of great turmoil in the Catholic Church. It is a magnificent work. It's an excellent treatise on faith, on teamwork, and on leadership. And candidly, it's more valuable today than it was in 2014. And in that piece, he discussed the 15 diseases or the 15 traps that we can fall into as leaders. And I reread that piece periodically to make sure that I don't fall into those traps and to refresh my memory of what to be on the lookout for. But as I was reading that letter, what hit me like a lightning bolt was his use of Luke chapter 17, verse 10. And I quote, we are unworthy servants we have only done what was our duty. And I'll say that again. We are unworthy servants, and we have only done what was our duty. And it's in that spirit I can accept this award. I know I'm an unworthy servant, and I only have done what was my duty. The true credit belongs to the literally thousands of men and women who have worked very hard to accomplish whatever we've accomplished together to date. They are the ones that truly deserve the credit. So with that, I thought I would share a few thoughts on leadership this evening. 
teams deserve at least good, if not great leadership. And I've worked with teams and we've come to define what I believe are the five key traits of being a good, if not great leader. The first is I believe that leaders need to be humble people. There is no place for arrogance. None of us knows everything. That's reserved for God. So a good leader learns how to listen to their team, learn from their team, before they start to teach, tell, or direct. So you need humility. The second thing I believe a leader needs to possess is positivity. Colin Powell is very famous and frequently comments that perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Our job as a leader is to paint a positive fit picture of the future and to inspire within people a desire or a fire to achieve great things. It is not, as a leader, to light a fire underneath them and lead through fear and retaliation. So I believe very strongly a good leader has to be a positive person. A good leader needs to be respectful. And in my view, respect takes two forms. First, as a Christian, you need to respect other people. When I was a little boy, I heard over and over again from my mother and my grandmother, treat people the way you wish to be treated. And I can see some smiles out there. Very simple thing, but what I found in my life is as people advance in their career, they forget that. We need to treat other people as we wish to be treated. And the second part of respect is that we need to be respectful of rules and of law and of order. There are not two sets of rules in the world, one for the leader, one for the team. And you have to remind people that, unfortunately, frequently. The fourth is I believe good leaders are very clear. They're clear in their expectations, they're clear in their goal setting, they're clear in their communication, they're clear in establishing roles and responsibilities, and they're consistent. And as a leader, if our messaging isn't simple and consistent, we have no hope other than the organization that we're responsible for is going to be confused and not successful. So clarity in a leader is really important. And the last one is solidarité. And for those of you that speak French, I have struggled to translate that for years. These five things were actually developed when I worked for a French company. Everything else was a literal translation. But I have struggled for eight years in how to translate solidarité. And loosely what I've told people, well, it's about teamwork and solidarity. But it never really captured the essence of the word in French. And it wasn't until I read the Pope's letter to the Roman Curia that the concept of duty came out loud and clear. And it's really for an exceptional leader, they have got to have a sense of duty. Duty to God, duty to your team, duty to your country, your community, however you want to decide, describe it. But they have to be selfless people that have a duty. So I recommit in front of all of you this evening that I will continue to do my duty as God sees it. In closing, what I'd like to do is make a simple request that Pope Francis made as he closed out the letter to the Roman Curia. And very simply, it is this. 
brothers and sisters, will you please pray for me? Thank you very much for this great honor, and God bless you all.